Well, if you have a Bible, find 2 John. We are in the fourth part, the final part of a series that we're calling Followers. And we've been studying verse by verse through the book of 2 John for the last four weeks. We're gonna wrap that up today. And then we're gonna take a different direction in the weeks to come. But this has been an extremely challenging series for me as we come out of the series called How It's Done from Acts chapter 9 a couple of weeks ago back in January looking at the church in Acts and, and how God used the church to do his work in those communities and I was extremely challenged by what I saw taking place through that small section of verses that we looked at and this series is is partnered with that series. Now there's a lot of years that have happened in between those churches that we read about in Acts chapter 9 and the church here in 2 John, but the same things are still taking place. The same things still need to be accomplished. That the gospel is still the main thing as it is today. It was the main thing in 2 John as it was in Acts chapter 9. And there were still those who were in opposition to the gospel. And we saw that in Acts chapter 9. We see that in 2 John. So if you're there in 2 John, I'm going to start here at verse 1. We're just going to catch up where we are today. But it says, The elder, we believe that to be the apostle John, to the elect lady, which is the global, the corporate church, and her children, which is the body, those of us who make up the church, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. Now, what word did we uh, focus on in week one? Somebody help me out. What word sticks out there? Truth. The word aletheia, which means, re, it means truth under any reality or under any matter. It is, it is reality. And that's one of the things that we see here in this first section of 2 John. That Jesus is truth. We know that because he says that about himself in John 14, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus makes that statement about himself. The word of God communicates that over and over again, that he is truth, that he is truth under any matter, and he is reality. And so it's important that we get that. That is the foundation. And then we see that his word is truth, that his word endures forever, that his word is enough, that his word is perfect, that it has been given to us, and it is his word. And it's his spirit that has been given to us when we call on him to save us. And his spirit is truth. His spirit will lead us to truth. And we saw that his truth is eternal. That his truth is everlasting. And so the challenge in week one was for those of us who make up the body of Christ to know truth, to act on truth, and then enjoy the truth. That followers of Jesus must love the truth. Verse 4 continues, I rejoiced greatly, John says, to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as you were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, 
that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Do you know what you believe? Was the question that we asked as we studied this section of verses in week two. Because what you believe affects how you walk. What you believe affects how you live from day to day, the decisions that you make. What you believe is extremely important. Followers of, of Jesus, they walk in obedience. So do you know what you believe? And are you allowing what you believe to affect how you live your life? And then verse seven continues. It says, for many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Followers of Jesus must watch out for deceivers. And deceivers, they're everywhere. And it's not as easy to identify as I would like it to be, but there are deceivers everywhere, and there is one characteristic that sets them all in line with each other, and that is their opposition of Jesus Christ. They oppose Christ. They oppose his gospel. And so the challenge last week for, for those of us who were here, and if you missed it, you can go back and listen, but it's real simple. The challenge was to watch out for deceivers and then watch your own life. Watch out for those who oppose Christ. Watch out for those who are peddling a different gospel and then watch your own life. Be careful. Watch yourself. And so that's where we've been over the last three weeks. And the first two weeks were a little bit a little bit more positive, a little bit more encouraging. Last week took a turn to a little bit more depressing, I guess you could use. This week is a little bit better, but it still kind of has this, this tension in it of deception. But we need to hear these kinds of messages from time to time. Because we do live in a world that is, that is challenged, that is being filled with darkness. And so we have to be very, very careful and very alert and awake and alive to what is happening around us. Now, how many of you have ever found it difficult to decide exactly what hills you should die on? I, get, I felt the tension when I said that. That's a challenging question to answer. Like, what hill should I die on? Am I willing to die on this specific hill? When it comes to disagreements or things, this is a unique time in history. I don't think I have to tell you that, but I want to. Now, I've read, I love history. You know, I'm an 80s kid. I haven't seen a lot of things prior to the 80s. So I don't know what it was like before that. So some of you who are a little more elderly, you could tell me what it was like. But I don't know that there has been more division in a country or in a world than there is right now. And this is a season where disagreements, they seem to be more divisive than they've ever been. Tribalism and loyalty, they seem to be in an all-time high, uh, not just on secular topics, but even spiritual things when it comes to the church 
I mean, you, there's so many articles and blogs and here's how you should do church, here's how you shouldn't do church and, and this person's a heretic because they do it a different way and there's just, there is so much division that is out there in secular and spiritual topics. And it can be hard to know simply where to chalk it up to seeing things differently and then when to li- willingly lay down your life and die on that hill for something specific. You know, dedication is, I admire dedication. And purists, they almost always have their hearts in the right place. But I think we have to pay attention to what God says when it comes to dividing in light of deception. And so this series and this focus on deceivers and deception is a little bit different than what you may think it is as, as you hear some of these words as you read this text. It's, it's thankfully, we have a New Testament that's full of examples and instructions on how to navigate the subject is really what I want to say. And false teaching and deception are serious issues. But if we're going to pattern our life after Jesus, and, and, and that's really what I want to point you to, that's what the scriptures point us to, and, and, and honestly, that's what I hope I always point people to, is Jesus. That's what we pattern our life after. And I believe that it's also very serious when we choose, I believe it's very serious what we decide to call false teaching as well. And what we're willing to end relationships over as well. So I want you to think about that. What hills should I die on? What relationships should I end? Those types of things I want you to think about as we, as we read these verses. So verse 9, it continues. It says, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Now I want you to notice what this text does say and what this text does not say. Because it does say something very specific and it does does give us some very specific focus points. And the first one I want you to see is this right here. If I find it, don't go, go back real quick. Go back, go back. Yep, there we go. Is the word, uh, anyone who comes to doesn't receive this teaching. Not any old disagreement that we may have. It doesn't say, oh, we just disagree on this finer thing. Whether secular music is okay to listen to or not. Not those kinds of things. This text is not about cultural topics that we disagree on, and there are plenty. It's not about politics. It's not about medical perspectives. This isn't even about faith-related topics in general. Now, I know that I keep saying this, but being given permission to divide with someone or to separate a relationship or to label someone a false teacher or a deceiver, uh, it means carrying a huge responsibility. To call someone a false teacher or a heretic or a deceiver is not something that we should take lightly. Yet, Christians do, by the way. 
And we tend to label somebody a false teacher or a wolf based on some cultural division that we have. But what is the teaching in question? Now, we've been talking about this, so you could probably answer this question, but what's the teaching that, that, that John is pointing us to here once again? Because this is not the first time that he's pointing this out. We covered this last week. This is, once again, not disagreements about things like active versus inactive gifts. I listened to a preacher this week at a conference. He believes that all the spiritual gifts are still active. Some of you may not believe that. This is not about the age of the earth. This is not about eschatology or, or what we call end times events, whether you're pre, mid, post, trib, whether you believe the rapture even happens. This is not about those things. All of those things are fun to talk about. But think about what a precedent it would set if we simply divided over every single thing that we disagreed on. We'd never gather together. We'd never sing all praise to the Lord Most High together because we can't agree on end times events. I mean, come on. It's about more than that. If we label any biblical thing we disagree with as false teaching, we've got some serious problems. Now, I know people who do this, and you might too. And maybe you grew up in a church, you know, like that, that, that loved to really make an enemy out of anybody that had a different mindset or a different perspective. In the last couple of years, I've been, a, I've been called a false teacher on social media several times uh, because I tend to just, I see a, a single doctrinal issue a little differently than someone else. Even though we agree on the actual gospel, my position's firm. I hold it with a lot of research, years and years of research, yet I still don't see them as the enemy. I still don't see them as a heretic or a false teacher. See, there's, there's wiggle room with interpretation on the vast amounts of, of difficult topics and gray areas and the non-essential issues, I guess we'll call them. Now, I have to remind myself of this when I encounter someone with something wacky that makes me feel uncomfortable. Maybe it's just different. Maybe they just say things in a way that I don't understand or is different. But I have to remember that most of us are trying to research and study context and come to the best determination for what we feel the Spirit is leading us to do, but the non-negotiables, the essential teaching we must hold to is the gospel. The life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have to agree on that teaching. And his life includes his deity, which is what John is addressing in this short, short letter. When he refers back to this teaching— when he goes to say that, that those of you do not, uh, do not uh, bring this teaching, that's what he's referring to. And this verse has been used out of context for decades and centuries to not fellowship with someone who sees things a little bit differently than you. Now, this text is clear direction on what to stay united over and what to divide over. When it comes to the faith, if you want to know if someone you disagree with is still on the same page, the gospel is your manual. 
The gospel is your filter. Now, there are three characteristics that we see in this text of false teachers. And I want you to see these because these will help you as you identify what a false teacher is. Uh, It connects a little bit to what we studied last week. But the first thing that we see is deceivers go their own way. Deceivers go their own way. In verse 9, it says, everyone who goes on ahead. Don't miss that. This is someone who used to be a part of us. We talked about that last week. Someone who used to abide in his teaching about Jesus. Someone who went out from among us is what John says. It's not the unbelievers outside the church, but those who used to be with us. They were a part of us. They worshiped with us. They sang the songs with us. They they served at events together with us. They used to be one of us. And contrary to what I've heard various ministry leaders say, and you've probably heard these things too, this is not refusing to allow someone with a different faith into the conversation. This is not refusing to be on mission with another gospel-preaching church because they understand a non-essential issue differently. See, it, it affects us individually, but it also affects us corporately. This is not shunning a believer who may be backslidden, but is aware of their sin and on a longer journey towards sanctification. This is not rejecting someone who is struggling with hard concepts that we find in the scriptures, like God dealing, uh, dealing with sin, or maybe it's biblical marriage or sexual purity, and, and they're open to, to, to understanding and hearing, but they just have a hard time grasping what it teaches. We don't separate with people because they're not where we are, or that they're struggling or confused, because that's a real thing. That's a real tension based on how you grew up, where you grew up, what your experiences are. Those things matter. There's not a one-size-fits-all approach to following Jesus. But this is someone who used to be of us but now rejects the core teaching about Jesus Christ. This is an apostate deceiver. Someone who went out from us and is peddling a different Jesus, a different hope, a different gospel. When it comes to dividing and division in the church, we have to remember who and what. So deceivers go their own way. And then we see that deceivers want influence. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, verse 10 says. Now, if I were to bring a whiteboard up onto this stage, I love whiteboards, by the way. But if I were to bring a whiteboard up on the stage, we could fill it with all the names of people we know or have heard of who have used their influence to peddle a false teaching. I mean, just think about it over the course of history, David Koresh and Jim Jones and, and these types of leaders, they, they, they sold a, a, a cheap gospel. A gospel of that Jesus isn't enough And I am enough. I will be the final say. I am the Savior. I will carry the burdens for you. That's the message that some of those cult leaders would would, would send. We've seen this from celebrity pastors and musicians, televangelists. Not all of them, but some of them. 
And then there's mountains of people who aren't on the big screen and don't have social media accounts who have the same influence. It's not the ones who saw things differently, but who sold a, de- a different Jesus entirely. That's what John's trying to communicate. That very often it's about both getting power and the misuse of it. And so we watch out for that. So deceivers go their own way and deceivers want influence. And then finally, John just says that deceivers are wicked. They're simply evil. They're wicked. It says, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked ways. This wickedness, this, this evil. The very technical term here is a bad dude. It says his, but that's, that's general. It could be a, a, a lady or a dude. It just means a bad person. God is reminding us of what a big deal this rebellion against him really is. It's wickedness. Anything that is not the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, if there is any other way, if there is any other truth, if there is any other hope or life, it is false. And there are two things in the New Testament that I see God taking very, very seriously. He communicates very clearly, including the consequences for those who use their influence and authority for evil. There's two groups. Those who preach a false Jesus and those who cause division in the church. He sees it and he will take care of it. Anyone involved in these two things will answer for the harm that they cause to the bride of Christ. So be very careful how you identify who someone is is extremely important. These descriptions are specific when it comes to who to separate from. So what is expected of us? What is expected of you? What should you do? Now I want you to get ready because this is, this is probably the most clever thing that I've ever come up with. <laughs> I was like, Brittany, you gotta be, this is, this is so awesome. You're gonna love this. So here's what we do. Are you ready for this? We abide in his teaching. Oh, you guys are shocked, aren't you? I'm so smart. There's no antidote. There's no 10-step process. My new book is not coming out next week with a new process. Abide in his teaching. It's, I don't want to say it's that simple because I'm not saying it's easy. But that's what we can do. That's what we have to learn from these verses this morning. It says, everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in this teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. We have all we need when we abide in Him. You see, when it comes to the teaching about the gospel and Jesus, we have to stay within the boundaries of His teaching. And the only place that we get His teaching is in His truth which is his word, which is the Bible. We remain in it. We stay connected to it. Going on ahead or becoming progressive in our thinking, it's not impressive to Jesus. As a matter of fact, it should scare us. It isn't abiding. It's pushing the boundaries of heresy. 
You can have questions and you can study for answers, but we must abide and we must remain in his truth. So what does Jesus say? What did Jesus do? What has Jesus called and commanded us to do? That's what John is telling you to do today. I want you to just listen to this. Many of you have read this before and have heard this. We studied this in detail last year, but in John 15, John says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And then he says in verse four, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We can shut the lights off and my mic off now and have enough to go on. We must abide in his teaching. And then we see in this text that we should not go with the deceivers. Just don't go with the deceivers. I want you to think back to some of that criteria that I mentioned a little while ago. Questions like, is, is this person, is this a person who used to claim faith? Is this someone who used to hold to the teachings about Christ? Not someone who was never a part of the faith. Or was this someone who has gone out from among us? Not just expressed questions or struggles, but someone who has departed from us, who has denied the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are they teaching a wrong doctrine about Christ or selling a different Jesus? Don't go with them. Run from them. Flee from them. And if all of those questions can be answered, then, then we have to separate ourselves. We have to be very careful, though, what we use as our filter. Because if we don't, we make room for others to be led astray, including ourselves. Now, I pointed this out last week, but it's sometimes very difficult to identify a deceiver, especially if they're close to you. Especially if they're people that, that you've known for a long time. And I believe that's why the, the apostles instructed us in this way because the Spirit knows, the Spirit knows that we are more prone to give grace to those that we love and that we care about than other people. So we have to, it's, it's challenging. It's hard. Jesus says some striking things about the people around us. We'll talk about that in a minute. But we have to play a part in stopping this cycle before it goes any further. Verse 11 says, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Now, this seems to be much harsher than just being careful with people around us who are far from God, who don't have a relationship with Jesus or their wrong beliefs. It goes much deeper than that. So we have to take some drastic measures. God can still deal with their hearts. God can still save those people. God will still protect his church. But at this point, that's between them and him. And our job is to obey, to abide in his teaching, and to watch out 
for those deceivers. So we abide in the teaching. We don't go with deceivers. And then lastly, we take a stand. We stand against deceivers. In Matthew 24, Jesus says to the disciples, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, Jesus says, saying that I am the Christ and they will deceive many. There are many deceivers. Jesus talks about this over and over again. There are wolves among you. There are wolves among us. We have to be careful. We have to, we don't want to go with them, but we also have to learn to abide in his teaching, to stand in his truth, and to stand against the deception. We have to stand for what is true and resist it. This goes back to what we talked about in week one. We have to we have to know the truth. We have to love the truth. We have to accept the truth. And then we have to obey the truth. We can't defend what we don't know. You can't stand for something if you don't know what it is that you're standing for. You can't stand against deceivers if you don't know how to identify if they're peddling a different gospel. So this is why knowing the truth is so important. This is why John starts this letter with Aletheia. Because it all is built on truth. So God gives believers a valuable role in protecting other believers from false teaching. But the Spirit does the work. But there's something else that we have to remember. That there's false teaching, absolutely. There are deceivers, absolutely. But there is a dark influencer behind it all. And all those, these, these deceivers that have gone out from among us, that have gone out from among this church here in, in 2 John, they are deceivers, they are part of the darkness, they work for someone a little bit darker. He has a name in the Bible. Jesus has several encounters with him. His name is Satan. And our real fight is with him. Our real fight is against the darkness that he has brought into our world. Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 12 say to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That we're to put on the full arm of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And he says something really important in verse 12. That although, yes, deception is often wrapped up in a human body, that's not the root of it. Paul says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. All deception has a leader, just like redemption has a leader. We have to stand against deception in our world. There are false teachers everywhere. There, is false, there are false messages being sent all over the place. And we stand against it. But we don't stand against flesh and blood. And the only thing that fixes the darkness is the light. 
The light of Jesus, the light of the gospel that we see in 1 John chapter 1. The light illuminates. The light brings hope to the darkness. And so yeah, we watch out for deceivers. We watch our own life. We stand against deception. But we do it through the hope and the truth of the gospel and the person of Jesus Christ. Followers of Jesus stand against deception. What will you do? So when it comes to dividing from others, from separating friendships, deep relationships that have lasted for a long time, we have to keep in mind that this is a serious responsibility of ensuring that all the criteria has been met. Did they used to be one of us? Have they now gone out from among us? Are they teaching, promoting, peddling a different teaching about Jesus and his gospel? Then it's a serious issue. And we should stand for the truth of the gospel. If a friend comes to you, I just watched a video this week of a musician who used to be in the Christian music industry and it was one of his Insta stories or something. And he was on there kind of communicating about this different hope, this different way to be given freedom and life. That's false teaching. I reject that. And I stand against that because there is no other way. I don't get to determine what truth is. You see, when those things have been met, when the gospel is the centerpiece, the focus point, it just makes it a lot easier. You see, believers are not supposed to divide over non-essential doctrinal issues. Maybe we need to be careful what influence they have in our lives and hearts, but I still would encourage you to try to have a faith family type relationship with them in appropriate ways. I have a lot of friends that pastor different types of churches. Our statements of faith, they look different. But what has brought us together has been the gospel. And I'm not willing to lose those friendships over something as simple as the gift of tongues. I've had some good debates with them. It's been fun, if you like that. But one of the things Brittany and I love to say in those conversations is, hey, we completely disagree. But I love that we agree on this. We agree on the gospel. That's what saves people from hell, by the way. That's what your lost friends at your workplace and in your family need is the gospel. Not what side of the aisle you land on politically. It's not saving them. It's Jesus. And it will always be Jesus. So here's a few questions that I want you to think about this week. Maybe today at, at around the lunch table as you're just talking about this. Yeah, I know because everybody eats up what I say every week and they can't wait to get home 
and talk about it for hours upon hours. Kids cannot wait for their parents to say, hey, let's discuss deception today. <laughs> so what biblical issues have you considered dividing over? This is kind of fun. It's, it's a fun conversation because mine have grown over the years and have changed and I've let some go. But did they meet the criteria for separating? And then the last question, there's like two questions in each. Has anyone tried to convince you of a false teaching about Jesus? And how did you respond? Some interesting questions to discuss. Some eye-opening moments. Our small groups are off in the month of, of March, so they won't be discussing this question. So enjoy. Enjoy having a discussion about deception and false teaching today around the lunch table. So let me pray for you. And we'll have some video announcements. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful and thankful for the time that we've had to gather together under the name of Jesus. Father, every prayer that has been offered, every song that we have, we've sung today has been directed back to the person of Jesus. So Father, we're so thankful for who he is and that he is unchanging. He is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow. And Jesus stays the same when our opinions change and when our feelings shift. When I'm being tossed around, when we are being tossed around by all of the things of this world and all the darkness that is around us, Jesus is that solid, secure foundation. And we can say all of that today because he is and was who he said he was. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. We sing, we pray, we hug, we love because of the gospel and because of Jesus Christ. So God, thank you for sending Jesus to come into this dark world and to enter my darkness and bring light to my life. God, I pray that as we go out into the world as your body, that as we navigate conversations, as we take the gospel to people who are far from you, God, I pray that we would do that with hope and life and joy expecting that you are going to do the work that only you can do. So God, thank you so much for saving me, for offering the gospel to the world. And it's in that that we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.